How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Not joining me from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta this week, but instead joining us from our nation's capital of Ottawa, Ontario, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how's Ottawa, bud? Uh, it's been pretty good. I just got in this afternoon, so I had dinner with some friends from grad school, and now I'm just back at the hotel I'm staying at, the Andaz. Uh, it's uh, one of the newer hotels here in Ottawa. It's got a really nice rooftop bar. I'm sure listeners from the Ottawa region have uh, checked it out already. And it's probably got one of the best views in the city. Nice. Now, are you staying at the Hot Soul Lounge or the Bacho Suite? Ooh, I don't think they've gotten that swing yet, but I'll have to check it. I'll have to see if they have that now. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So I also got to ask, what restaurant did you go to in Ottawa, Tim? I just went with some friends to a pub that they found called the Glue Pot Pub. Okay. Uh, good wings. Nice. And it's actually a pretty nice spot. Right on. So no burgers and fries forever? Not yet. Not yet? Yeah, I had it last time I was here, and, uh, they had this really nice, uh, chili burger. Yeah, you should really get a selfie in front of the burgers and fries forever and send it my way so I can throw it up on Twitter. Oh, I will, I will. And right. you can see the little. Yep. Actually, you know what's funny, speaking about Ottawa, uh, yesterday I was out in Victoria doing my Christmas shopping. We have a Beaver Tales in Victoria now. Really? Yeah. It's down by uh, Wharf Street. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, right down right by the, the water. Down. Yeah, by the tourist traps. Yep. Yes. Nice oh. area down there, though. I can't really complain. No, not at all. Well, I mean, it's got to be if they're trying to impress yeah, exactly. So, Tim, i got to ask, how's your week been? Uh, it's been pretty darn good. Work's been going good. And I played way more Pokemon Go than I should have this weekend. Do people still play Pokemon Go? Yeah, it's now that there's an actual game to it, it's kind of seen a bit of a resurgence. Hmm, crazy. I think, yeah, I still haven't really seen anybody play it in the last couple of years, so. Yeah, it's, uh, I think most people really come out on these events called Community Days. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they make a super rare Pokemon very common. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, basically, I was able to get up three hours yesterday. I was out with uh, Chelsea and some friends, and we just caught a bunch. Right on. And I got the best out of everyone, so, neener, neener, neener. Oh, there's no need to rub it in, Tim. Well, that's all what I've been doing for the last two days. Why am I not that surprised? <laughs> Because that is entirely something I would do. Yes, it is. I have to say, man, overall, my week's been all right. Work's been pretty busy. We had TEDx at the campus this week, so been dealing with that. Wait, really? Uh, you, you guys had TED Talks at your campus? Yeah. Yeah, we have TEDx. We do one that's every fucking, year. Oh, that's fucking nutty. Yeah, it's usually like an ex-alumnus that have gone on to do really good accomplishments in their life, and they've come back and they've talked to us. Oh, that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so today I went up to Nanaimo to play some hockey because I just got my skate sharpened. Trying out a new stick because I was talking to my dad about getting a new stick for Christmas because I was just like, you know, the CCM stick I have is good, but I was really looking at one of the true hockey sticks. I really dug them and so went out to Kirby's on Sunday when I was in Victoria and got one, bought it, and when I went back to my dad's place, I was just going to leave the stick there till like Christmas and I'll get it then. My dad's like, well, aren't you taking the stick with you? And I was like, Wait, what? He's like, well, yeah, you need to play hockey, don't you? And I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm getting it now. Right on. Oh, I thought it was, no, you're just going to sit and look at the stick. Oh, that's what I've been doing the last 20 minutes, just sitting here like, oh, look at it, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I went out to have lunch with my cousin, went out to a place called Gabriel's on Commercial Street in Nanaimo, had a really nice green Thai curry bowl. It was really good. That does sound good. Mm-hmm. And then I went out to see my grandparents, because it was my grandfather's birthday today, so stayed there for about an hour, sh- shot the shit with everybody, and then took off because I knew I had to do the podcast tonight and here we are we're doing the potty nice yeah so I want to change things up a little bit Tim because I know last year during the opening like we talk about our week we talk about our thoughts on the uh, the previous week's episode now I know that you and I both haven't listened to the episode so I want to change it up a bit last week's episode was much better for us recording oh yeah like, night and fucking day. Yeah, and, and you know, we were very vocal and very open about that. We're just like, it was a good idea on paper, but the execution wasn't very good. Yeah, and just didn't really feel into it. But, yeah, last week fucking keyed in, and I hope to be like that this week because we got good shit to talk about. Yeah, well, we're doing pretty good so far, Tim, so I don't want to jinx us or anything, so... Knock on wood. Yeah, no problem. Actually... Speaking about things that, like last week, I'm surprised like that I basically was doing a podcast without eating dinner first. I thought I was going to be just awful because we had Rainbow Soup 2.0. Yeah. Did you guys have another Rainbow Soup 2.0 this week, Tim, or no? No, no, no. Our soup survived. Nice. Actually, you know what's funny is that last Tuesday, the day after we recorded the episode, you talking about Rainbow Soup 2.0. We we had the same soup at work. What, the minestrone or rainbow soup? Mi- minestrone. Oh, and you're just looking at it it's like, oh no. Oh, I no. laughed so hard. I was like, oh, that's funny. I like that. <laughs> Didn't have that's it just, though. But... Uh, well, I bet you're looking at it just like, is it safe? Do I eat this? That's exactly what I was thinking, man. <laughs> so one Where's more thing film? we got to talk about. As you know, Tim, I usually do... Um, the third line plug sense gas poll where we get, where we put up a couple of player names and we say, okay, who's this episode going to be named after? And this week we have two beauties, Peter Sidorkowitz and Ron Tugnet for episode 31. Oh, Hey, are you going with, are we going to play problem with that? There's one problem with that. There was one vote for each. So... <laughs> Because I have another Mac here sitting in front of me. I've decided to go on Google to justflipacoin.com. And we're going to flip a coin to see who is going to be named after this episode. So, here's the ground rules. Sidorkowitz is heads. Tugnut is tails. And here we go. 
Wait, Tafe, one question. What's up? If we, if it is the Sidork episode, are we going to play Stork or Sidork? Ooh, I didn't think about that. We might have to. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's, let's do this. Ready? And go. It is Tails, the Ronnie Tognon episode. Ah, oh, damn. I know. I really want to play Stork or Sidork for an episode. Is Ma there any Senate 32? I don't think there is a, for episode 32. We might do it at episode 32, but I know I may want to do it when you come back to Vancouver Island for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, things get pretty sparse after the 30s, so that seems like a good bet. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll have to come up with my own game, too. Absolutely, man. I'm always open to the ideas. It's just going to be pictures of mountains. <sighs> you just had to go there, didn't you? You son of a bitch. Yep. Okay, Actually, now that we got all that out of the way, Tim, let's segue into this little segment I like to call top of the hour so i actually had to redo top of the hour because there were two stories that i forgot to bring up this one this is one of them and actually we should be happy because vegas golden knights goalie mark andre fleury moved into 10th place in all-time wins with his 408th win fleury drafted first overall by the pittsburgh penguins in 2003 won 375 games as a member of the penguins and 33 as a Vegas Golden Knight. Now you know it's time for, what? Tim. Oh, no. Hit it! <laughs> so good. So good. Time. But, yeah, no, Fleury's been definitely one of the best puck stoppers we've seen in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Well, like, this whole crop of goalies we've had in the last... 10 years have been very, very good with the likes of like Carey Price is going to be up in that win count too. When his career is done, we've had Braden Holtby and even like some of the tier two guys like uh, Simeon Valramov and uh, Yaroslav Halak and uh, the Finnish goaltenders have been phenomenal as well. Mm -hmm. And we also can't forget about Henrik Lundqvist too. Well, the king. <laughs> yeah, with no cups. Well, I mean, that's because he's never really had... Well, I don't want to say he's never had a good team built around him because he's had some phenomenal players in and out of New York. It's just nothing. And they've made it to the finals. It's just nothing doing. Yeah. Typical New York thing, eh? You throw so much money at him and they still don't win. Yeah. Except the Yankees seem to be perennially immune to that. Yeah, them and them fucking 27 championships that they have. Jesus Christ. Bastards. Okay, let's move on to our next story, and we got another happy story to talk about, and it involves the Ottawa Senators. Whoa! Yeah! Ottawa Senators forward Matt Duchesne announced on Instagram during the Senators' Halloween party that he and his wife are expecting their first child. That's not how seven, seven Minutes in Heaven usually goes. No. Like Mo I, Most I, people I, only I, get to four. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just want the fucking CSI scream right there. You know what? Maybe I'll just throw it in right here. Yeah! There we go. Oh, that was fucking 
oh this is great i love it <laughs> but no like totally congrats and I don't know. I hope they have as much fun with it as uh, the early parts, of, like that the Carlsons were seeming to have with uh, Axel up until the untimely demise. Absolutely. Did you ever? Did you get a chance to see some of those Instagram photos from the Sens Halloween party? No. Well, I did see some. Like uh, we got to see uh, the Talladega Nights. That was good. I gotta give Mark Stone and Brady to Chuck the real American crabs credit for that. That was oh. solid. And holy shit, does Brady Kachuk look like John C. Riley? He really does. I didn't really think about that until I saw it. I was like, wow, he really does look like John C. Riley. It's just like, it's so much that it's a little uncomfortable. Yep. Now, only if he but, went as uh, the two guys from Step Brothers. Oh, uh, that might be next year. Yeah. But it's awesome to see that all the rookies were really getting into it, too. Like, he had fermented and I think it was fermented and Lajoie as the horse. That was funny, man. I saw that, and I'm like, who was the one that got punked into being the bottom? Honestly, with kids these days, they'd probably just fucker. They'd probably have more fun being in the bottom. Like, have you seen the way these fuckers joke around? That is true. And it has seemed like the Senators have, are a much lighter group this year. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. I'm happy that it, they're just much more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But we'll and, get to that in due time, Tim. Oh, my God. But, like, Brady Kachuk faces are just really fucking fun. <laughs> I know. They're amazing, right? Well, even when he was, like, rolling his eyes about, like, how Max Lajau was, like, talking to his girlfriend and stuff. No, he didn't roll his eyes. He was just like, buddy... Right. I saw that, and I'm like, I'm going to love this kid playing with this team. Yeah, it's like, as much as Zidina might have been, may possibly be the better hockey player, ho better hockey player, the kid's a character, and I'm going to love him. We already do, so, and he's only played, what, yeah. four or five games? Yeah, and he's played them hard. Yep. Let's move on to our next story. This past week has been huge for Canada, because... We have become the second country to legalize marijuana. Oh, dear. And many NHL superstars have come out in support of it, including Winnipeg Jet forward Mark Shifley, Matt Duchesne, and most notably, Connor McDavid. Now, McDavid commented that he thinks people would be stupid to not at least look into the CBD side of it, while adding that it could be a better way to go than taking painkillers all the time. That's a really good point. It is, and you know what? Regardless of what our thoughts might be on the legalization of marijuana, CBD has been proven to help a lot of people, especially cancer patients. But for professional athletes who, and we've seen in the past where they get addicted to painkillers and sleep medication and stuff like that, and it goes into full-blown addictions, I think this might be the better way to go personally. Yeah, especially given if you're, like, on, like, Oxycontin and shit, which is basically just, it's an opiate, which yeah, is highly addictive. It's a pill form of heroin is what it is. Yeah, and it's, like, if marijuana does the same job with less of a, with a lower addictive profile, then you, you gotta try it. Absolutely. Yeah, and otherwise, meh, have at it. Yep. 
Former Red Wings goalie Chris Osgood was on the James and Stoney show on 97.1 The Ticket. He commented that he thinks it's inevitable that his former teammate Steve Eisman will rejoin the Red Wings as their GM. Arzeman, who stepped down as the Lightning's general manager to spend more time in Detroit with his kids, has been rumored to be the successor to longtime Wings GM Ken Holland, who recently signed a two-year extension with Detroit. I could totally see this happening. Absolutely. I think Stevie Y is the the successor to Ken Holland. It's hard, though, because like I think we're going to keep hearing these rumors until something happens. Because it just seems too obvious, right? Yeah, because this could have happened a decade ago. And you look at how the Red Wings are now, Stevie Y would have fixed that. He would have brought mm-hmm. in guys like Andre Vasilevsky. He would have brought in... Uh, crap, who's the... Uh, Anton Strollman, he brought him in. Him and Pat Verbeek, who's the Wings scout right now. Like He, he and Stevie Y went out and found these guys and drafted them. And that's why Tampa Bay is a perennial cup favorite right now. Well, they traded for Strawman too, which was a great idea. They got him out of New York. Really? I thought they drafted him. No, no, no. Strawman was uh, one of the one of the better defensemen on the Rangers. That's a well they keep going back to, too, hey? It is. Whether it's, you know, Mike Richards or Martin Saint-Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because... Uh, one of the analytics guys on TSN, Travis Yost, his rules for being a good GM are simply two. Find a dumb GM and do business with him. Repeatedly. Why do I think that Pierre Dorian's in this list? Uh, because a certain Doug Wilson is playing that rule to a T. Fucking Doug Wilson, bastard. That's <laughs> eh, not his fault. No, it's true. Speaking of TSN, Tim, TSN's Darren Dreger dropped a bomb on Twitter this week regarding female ice officials one day being in the NHL. He tweeted that the NHL is working towards this, and if this happens, the NHL could be the second professional sports league to have female officials after the NFL hired their first back in 2015. Another inevitability is female on ice officials. Yeah, honestly, I don't see why not. It's not like they're competing... So they just have to be, really, you just need to know the game and there's nothing stopping a female officiating from knowing the game inside note as well as a male official. Exactly. I feel as long as they're qualified to do the job, why not give them a shot? Yeah, exactly. And to be perfectly fair, if Tim Peel can be a fucking ref, anyone can. Yeah, or if Tim and Sid can be TV personalities, anybody can. Yeah. Although, like, CBC, like, to be fair, like, CBC already does have a very strong cadre of female on-ice personalities, so, like, good for them. Yep, absolutely. Right. And TSN, too, with uh, Cassie Campbell. No, Cassie works for CBC. Oh, she's CBC? Why yeah. do I think she was TSN? Oh, no, wow. uh, who the, uh, Tessa Bonet. Oh, Tessa. Tessa, Tessa Bonet, yeah. that's who the TSN's got. And then with the Leafs picking up, it was Haley Wakefinder, right? Yep. So it's, there's a lot, like, there's a lot of very strong minds already engaged. So it just seems like it's an untapped resource and all the better for the NHL for trying to remove the barrier. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go into our next story. Florida Panthers defenseman Mike Matheson has been suspended two games for his hit on Canucks rookie Elias Peterson. Matheson, who body slammed Peterson to the ice after he got deked out by the rookie, Matheson later received death threats from Canuck fans on Twitter as well as wishing harm on his dog as well. This is sick because I saw the story and I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay, hockey players usually, some hockey players get death threats from fans, but I will not sit here while you wish harm on dogs. Not right, man. Not right. It's just another case of people taking shit way too seriously on the internet. Yeah, but even one of the Canucks insiders said that even Canuck players have showed him their DMs and seen some of the death threats that Canuck fans send them. Yeah, it's fucked. Fucking Vancouver, man. They've got no chill. Well, I mean, I'm sure this happens in every fan base, and it's not okay. I know. I mean, well, then again, we haven't sent Cody Cece any death threats. We just say he's a shitty hockey player. Well, I imagine he has some. Bobby Ryan got it so bad he shut down his Twitter. But then he returned. But then he returned. So it's like, it happens. It's not cool. Don't do it. And then speaking about this hit, though, uh, did you see Coach's Corner on Saturday? No, I didn't. So, uh, Don Cherry's been really awful with the victim blaming lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he straight up said that it was uh, Peterson's fault for making Matheson look bad, so of course he was going to get just absolutely fucked behind the net and that Matheson shouldn't have been suspended. Like, what kind of fucking tortured logic is that? No, that's just stupid. Because you know what? Look, I understand that Matheson got embarrassed by this rookie, but there's no need to body slam him to the ice. Yeah, like it's completely and utterly uncalled for. And like, if you don't want to get embarrassed on the ice, don't suck. Play better. You won't get upstaged by a rookie if you're not putting yourselves into positions to get upstaged by a rookie. True. Let's go into our next story, Tim. Jordan Tuzu announced his retirement from the NHL after 13 seasons. Tutu, drafted 99th overall by the National Predators in 2001, played 723 games, scoring 65 goals, 96 assists for 161 points with four teams. The National Predators, Detroit Red Wings, New Jersey Devils, and Chicago Blackhawks, while becoming the first Inuk player ever drafted into the NHL. Tutu later tweeted that he will now focus giving back to the indigenous people. Yeah, this is awesome because, like, for part of my job is just writing about the situation and, like, the housing situation in for the Inuit peoples of the North. And it's rough. Yeah, because even Gord Downey, before he passed away, that's what he was focusing his energy on, was telling the story of that one First Nations kid who'd ran away from the residential school. Well, like, on top of the residential schools, you have this very bleak situation of, like, mass homelessness in a place where if you sleep outside, you're going to die. It's bad up there. And, like, it's it's always been just completely amazing that uh, Jordan Tutu was able to come out of that situation and thrive at hockey at the highest levels. And now he's going... And now that he's going back and going to be giving back to such a vulnerable community is frankly amazing. And I wish him the best. It's it's going to be hard, but any success that he wins is going to be amazingly rewarding. 
Absolutely. Now, I do have to say, before we go on to our next story, that I now owe you a beer since my phone went off. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> okay, let's go on to our next story. The Vegas Gold Knights have re-signed Alex Tuck to a seven-year, $33.25 million contract with an AAV 4.75. Tuck, who was drafted by the Minnesota Wild in 2004 and 18th overall, was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights during the expansion draft, and he scored 15 goals, 22 assists for 37 points in 78 games for the Knights last season. Now, I have a clip. I'm going to play it. This is what uh -huh. he's hearing right now. You love that one, don't you? Not as much as du -du 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 double air horns. Yeah, it's funny because it's Alex Tuck definitely played very well last season. Oh, absolutely. And especially for a guy who's only 21, 22 years old. Yeah, and it's what's interesting is that a lot of those Vegas players were definitely thought to be flash in the pan sort of guy, but looking at his previous season in Minnesota, you could definitely see what Vegas saw. Like, sure, it was a li very limited six uh, six games, but uh, when Alex Tuck was on the ice, good shots stopped happening, and he was almost always on the right side of that puck. And that just continued in Vegas. Like, this is a good pickup. Uh, I think the money's right on for what Alex Tuck it is, is right now. And if he continues to develop, which, honestly, I, he really, sh he definitely will, this will come out looking to be very good value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, great. I think this is a great signing by Vegas. I agree. Let's go on to another story. Former New York Islander Jan Kovar signed a PTO with the AHL's Providence Bruins. Kovar was reportedly figuring out his next move following the decision by the Islanders to release him. Kovar, who signed a one-year $2 million contract with the Islanders this past summer, refused to report to Bridgeport of the American Hockey League. I really don't know what what we can really say about this guy. We haven't seen a lot from him, and he's almost 30. Yeah, I don't know what to say either, man. Like, these last two stories, I don't really know what to talk about. I don't know what to even say here. Yeah, it's just, we're talking about a guy who's 28, going on 29. Uh, he's spent he's spent most of his career in the K, which I guess does, and he's been about a point-per-game player in the K. Mm -hmm. But other than that, really hard to say, especially because last year he saw a bit of a pretty big dip in production, and this is his first year in the A. I just really have no idea what to expect out of him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say, Tim. Yeah, Let's go into our final okay. story, Tim. Tampa Bay Lightning have acquired forward Mitch Holt from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for future considerations. Holt played 61 games for the American Hockey League's San Diego Gulls, scoring 11 goals, 18 assists for 29 points. Yo, you think I could trade for someone for future considerations? I really need my lawn mowed. Tim, you don't have a lawn. Shop Tay. I could get my anime figures dusted. That's true. You could even, you know, have a servant bring you drinks and stuff during the podcast. Ooh. For that whole 
How far is it from my podcast space to my fridge? Uh, like, I don't know. Not even five meters? Yeah. But, I mean, you know what? If you've got somebody to do that, though, you can also get them to do stuff for Chelsea, too. Ooh. Yeah. That's true. Maybe he could write her reports. Actually, maybe let's not let's not wait on that one. No, because Chelsea's a grad student. And I'm not quite sure what the quality of writing from NHL players are. That is true. That is true, you know, because I don't know if how good their writing's going to be, given that they play professional hockey for a living. Yeah, and they've probably had their brains smashed into the boards how many times. Yeah. Although I do, I will admit, I do like the San Diego Gold jerseys, though. They're kind of cool. I've never actually looked at them. They're, they're essentially the dock jerseys, but with a seagull on the front. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the art for this week. Now, it's time to go on to our two games that we got to talk about. Both of them are wins, so I'm really excited about this. We've got two games to talk about. we got the Sens versus the Stars and the Sens versus the Montreal Canadiens. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the games of the week. And we're going to start off with... Stars versus Senators. This is a 4-1 Senators victory. Stars goals are scored by John Klingberg. Sens goals are scored by Max Lejoie. Brady Dechuk, Miguel Brodker, and Zach Smith. Shots were 38-23 for Dallas. A solid game overall by both teams. Despite Dallas outplaying Ottawa in the first period, the Sens got their feet going and got back into the game with a strong offensive attack, good defensive play, and solid goaltending once again by Craig Anderson. Dallas didn't play a bad game, however, they were trying to keep up with the Sens for most of the game. We've got to talk once again about Craig Anderson, because I feel he stole this game for Ottawa with 37 saves. And not just garbage stops I'm talking about. Like, really good stops. Oh, for sure. Like, Dallas's shots were in tight. Like, it was definitely in tight. It was good stuff. And although, to be perfect, like, one thing that was definitely a saving grace for Craig Anderson is the, the Stars just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn either. They missed more shots than they hit the net with. Mm-hmm. So, like, those 37 saves were on, like, 50 shot attempts. So it's like Craig Anderson definitely had his work cut out for him. Oh, absolutely, man. Sorry, almost 70 shot attempts. Holy shit. Yeah, Jamie Benn had... Yeah, Ben had 33 of his own, Radulov with 38. Yeah. Did you see that Boro hit on Ben? No. Remember, good... we were doing the podcast during the show. <laughs> yeah, it was a good hit. It was a good hit. Now, I've got to say, Tim, like, many Senators did look at good in this game. Matt Duchesne, Max Lejoie, Bobby Ryan. But for me, the guy who I thought played really well, and it's a shame that he's now out with a month with a torn ligament in his leg, was Brady Duchuk. That kid didn't even look like he was hurt out there. No, and he played a fucking great game. Like, he was one of the more dominant players on the ice for both teams, which is pretty impressive considering that Ottawa was getting outchanced for most of the game. Although a good chunk of that really was just score effect. Mm -hmm. Because, well, once you go up up 3-1... 
you kind of take the foot off the gas a little. Yeah, and that's what I noticed in this game. It seemed like once Ottawa got their feet going, Dallas took their foot off the brake, and even the commentators said that too. Yeah, and that's the I think the hard thing for teams getting going is like you can't really count these bad teams out. No, for sure. I think a lot of people are starting to underestimate the Senators because they look at the roster and they go, yeah, okay, it's Ottawa. Come on, we could totally beat these guys. So they play good, they take their foot off the gas, and Ottawa comes back. Mm-hmm. Much like the next and game. Like, yeah, and it's funny, though, because I feel like the Sens start slow, but there's also their starting lines aren't the greatest either. Like, they'll throw out, like, Borbietsky and Harper, and they'll just get their shit pushed in. And it that's really was part of the story of the game is the Borbietsky, like, yeah, Borbietsky and Harper look bad. And you know what's funny, Sam? I knew you were going to mention that. That's why I didn't put it in my notes. <laughs> like, that line just looked bad, and I'm guessing they probably just got the rough end of the assignment same with uh zach like zach smith and paul carey mm-hmm. i gotta give tsn a lot of credit because they showed the tribute to ray emery through the tv timeout that's a class move yeah and that's one thing i really do notice about like i really love about the like the tsn broadcast is they always do they really do classy stuff like that all the time and i'm I really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that Jamie McLennan was not very happy with the Dallas Stars pulling the goalie with seven minutes left? No, but honestly, I get it. Like, I mean, I get why they did it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a fan of that, right? I'm not a fan of these teams doing stuff like that. I know when Patrick Wall was in Colorado, he was one of the first guys to start doing that. But overall, I'm not a fan of that. And I, I mean, look, I can understand let's say three to four minutes left in the game and you're down by two goals trying to get back into it, but seven minutes left, that's just not right. Well, I mean, it really depends on what your risk reward is and like what your risk reward tolerance is. And to be fair, it took Zach Smith a while to get that puck, that goal, that puck in the net, right? Mm -hmm. So Dallas was able to sustain that pressure. So I think... In that sense, that was the right call. It took Zach Smith until the last two minutes of the game to pop the empty netter. So that meant for five minutes, it was just sustained Dallas attack. And that's going to wear a defense down. So in that sense, I'm fine with such a high-risk, high-reward play. Yeah. So, like, I'm fine with that. If you're down two goals and you think you can get it back, throw the gas on. Fuck it. Yep. And this was also the first night of the Sands Furry Fan Night. I'm not going to lie, I don't think this is the kind of furries that they were maybe trying to aim it to, but, you know. Wait, you mean, like, people were coming in in fursuits? No. Could you imagine? Fuck, that would be something to see live. That's fucking creepy. Don't do it. Do you think Brian Five or Six would do that? What, come in in a full fucking fursuit? Yes. Jesus Christ, I hope not. No, no. He, he seems more like a guy who would just get drunk, take his pants off, and wrap his arms around a c- concrete barrier when the guy's trying to pull him out. Like, no! No, you can't take me! You can't trade Eric Carlson! 
No, hot Sam Poncho. <laughs> so Tim, I don't have anything more to talk about this game. If you want to go on to the second game of the evening, yeah, let's fucking do her. All right. Habs versus Senators. This was a 4-3 Senators overtime victory. Habs goals were scored by Max Domi, Philip Dandino, Paul Barron. Senators goals were scored by Mark Stone with two, Miguel Biker, and Matt Duchesne. Ottawa dominated Montreal in this game. Despite Ottawa's lack of discipline early on and Ottawa Montreal's energy out of the gate, Ottawa got the better of Montreal as the game went on. As, as the Canadians started taking their foot off the gas and later blew that two-goal lead, which ended up a 5-4 loss in OT. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We were talking about Craig Anderson in the last game, talking about how good he was. He was shaky in this game. But he overall, he I think he did get better, but he wasn't amazing. Well, I think the big thing is it's just when Montreal let Ottawa back into that game, like once Mark Stone got the, the 2-1 goal, mm -hmm. Ottawa was really back in the game. And Montreal really fell off. Yeah, and that's what I have in my notes. I said that Ottawa kept fighting to get back into this game, and overall, I thought it worked. Yeah, and other than like a sh like a shaky er early second, where Montreal really put some pressure on, mm -hmm. Ottawa came back and just dominated with uh, Dylan Demello, Thomas Chabot, and Max Lejoie. Other than a few early mis too early mistakes by Chabot. Mm -hmm. Shabbat looked looked super smooth, mm -hmm. and didn't end up on the score sheet. I thought he had a great game. I thought so too. I thought for me personally, I thought he went kind of under the radar a little bit because of how smooth he looked out there. And I was really happy to see that he got a, an assist in OT. Yeah, and it was uh, like it was, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and then just like at a sixty percent Corsi. Corsi 4, that's just another dominant performance by Thomas Shabbat. And let's, go on to, was, sorry, Tim, let's go and talk about Mark Stone's OT goal. Matthew Shane to Mark Stone, oh. who wires at top corner. Just that ping sound. I was like, oh, it's so good. Well, let's, let's talk about that because it's Thomas Shabbat walking the blue line makes this possible. That, like doing that in th on three on three, not only is that ballsy, that requires skill. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Was he not able just to, he did that very well, and he was able to walk the line. Yeah, then that's why I to took him in my fantasy league, man. I was just like, fuck, this guy's so good. Yeah, him and LeJoy are fantastic. And then top corner bar down. Holy shit. I know. It reminded me a lot of Mike Hoffman in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, where he just wired it right from the wing and all you hear is ping as it went in yeah no that was that was fantastic um another thing to mention is going back to the guys we got in the carlson trade chris tierney's been quietly fantastic you know what's funny they said that on the brian fiber six show too that they feel that chris tierney has been the biggest surprise for the auto centers this season and i have to agree because even though I don't generally notice Tyranny out there, when you look at the score sheet and you're like, holy fuck, Tyranny's got like two points in this game. Like, this guy's good. And I think because him and DeMello were are depth pieces in San Jose on a really good San Jose team, that when they come to Ottawa, they really get to show how good they really are. I feel it's been pretty good. 
Yeah, and the thing about them is it's like it's not like they're just scoring on like very high shooting percentages. They're playing the like they're always they're in the right spot. They're able to sh- they're getting these great shots. They know where to be. They're responsible and they're pushing the puck the right way. It's all very good stuff. Like yeah, I can't I can't really think of anything bad to say about either of those players. Another thing about and like Tierney and Stone led Ottawa in ice ice time last. Well, uh, in terms of forwards, led Ottawa in ice time, and uh, Shabbat and Lejoie led defenders. I think this is one of the games where uh, the first game in a while that I don't really have anything too bad to say about Guy Boucher's ice time allotment. No, because he seems Weisman. to be no, because he seems to be giving out ice time to the right guys out there anyway. Well, other than that, the Dallas game where. Ben Harper led ice time. Yep. Although, I'm really not happy with uh, Chris Weidman getting 10 minutes of ice. No, but you know what? When you look at the high-sticking call that he did very early in that game, I can see why they staple him to the bench. Honestly, yeah, that's totally fair. But, like, once he came off, and when he was on the ice, he was doing Chris Weidman things moving the puck the right way, creating space for offense, and being able to hustle back. So, like, I think Chris Weidman deserves more time on the ice. Um, Borvietsky looked better. Eh, no, that's not true. Borvietsky was bad. Again. Yeah. This was also wow. another game that referees let nothing go. They called everything. Oh, totally. And to be fair... Uh, the Senators were very undisciplined. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, that, like the Weidman penalty was stupid. Yeah, and then the Shabbat penalty, too? Yeah. Like, the Sen- like it's growing pains a bit, but the Senators need to be better. Yeah, because you um, know what? They can't just rely on the other team blowing a two-goal lead every game. No, no, no. Yeah, and I think that's part of why, like, early in the game, I noticed that, like, Ben Harper was looking again to be, after the first period, he already had about 10 minutes of ice. But it was just, the Sens were doing so much penalty killing that Harper was out. Do you want to talk about Paul Carey? Sure. He's been bad. I hardly didn't even notice him out there, to be honest with you. He's been getting his ass drilled on the shot clock. Like, sure, he's not playing many moments, but when he's out there, he's just getting... Real, and it's funny that his most common this isn't really true of his most common line mate colin white this is a paul carey thing not a colin white thing mm-hmm. i would hope that after this call-up stint the next call-up isn't paul carey the next paul call-up is nick paul did i or did i not read something online about nick paul being called up or was i just think dreaming this he might have Actually, I thought he was too, but I'm surprised that he's not playing. You know what? I'll like, have a look right now. I'll have a look right now. Yeah, but it's like, I really don't think that Paul Carey should be getting ice time. He's played poorly in the la- the games that he's been in. Mm-hmm. And there's young players you could be getting ice time for. Like, Paul Carey, I think, is best as an AHL death guy. Yeah. Yeah, so I just had a look here. It's not saying anything about Nick Paul being called up. 
But if he is, I think I agree. I have to admit he is a better option than Paul Carey is. Yeah, you got to give the young guys a chance, and the Paul Carey experiment as your call-up guy just really isn't working. Like this game, he actually somehow managed to have a zero percent Corsi for like I don't even know how you do that. Like be on the ice for no shots for. Mm-hmm. And then the last three, the last games, his average was around thirty six percent. Like he's not playing well. Okay. And he's not really he's not driving possession. He's not getting assists. He's not really hitting anything. What's the point? Yeah. The one last note I have: Ottawa salute to Bob Cole, who's officially retiring after the season. Honestly, that's. I know I do rag on him every so often, but I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, just because of all the games that he has called right but in this game wow he was terrible and i know that we ragged on him a lot last season but he looked so far behind the play it was unbelievable one thing i noticed though is he was getting behind the play but he was able to save himself like he had these little if you notice the way that he was calling if he was he he was very good at fixing mistakes on the fly like you would catch him making a mistake and then he quit oh actually that he was very good at admitting where he is wrong and quickly fixing it okay like that's something i was picking up the other thing is like the man has an incredible breadth of hockey knowledge and listening to a lot of other play-by-play guys like they'll most they'll be just doing the play but Bob Cole's able to do play and color at the same time. It's honestly impressive. Like the amount of content you get out of a Bob Cole call. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he really, you can definitely see why he was the best in the game for a very long time. Exactly. He was a lot like Foster Hewitt for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And like for my parents' generation, like he is, he is the voice of hockey. Yeah. It makes me very sad that Jim Houston is the voice of ours. Yeah. I'd rather it be Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Houston is a good commentator. I remember hearing him all the time when he was like Canucks announcer. But it's so unbelievable how biased he is towards Toronto. Yeah, like him and Gary Gallier just. It's rough. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's, I'm a li- I'll be sad to see Bob Cole gone. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But we're lucky to have him. And that's another one where the, T- the TSN guys just... Le- sorry, we didn't have the TSN. Like, Sportsnet let us see the broadcast, which was... Sorry, like, the tribute, and that was really classy. No, TSN had the uh, the game, though. They did? No, sorry, it was uh, CDTV. That's who had it. I was like... Yeah, so it was still hot. Sorry, I'm still thinking so. about the Dallas game. I was like, no... TSN had that. City is the one that had... It's like, CBC is like the, like the third channel when it comes to hockey. It's like the C games. Yeah. You can see it. It's like A game, CBC, B Sportsnet, C... Oh, God, I just kind of realized that. Yeah, like, the Sens versus the Habs is a C game? Holy shit. I, I guess that's hard to believe. Both teams... That's actually one thing that 
I think Gary Galley kind of nailed during the game. That game was fucking boring at times. It really was. And I remember just sort of glancing over at my computer like, oh, look at the cute dog. Because I was looking at the Dodo social media page. Aww. Which, by the way, that I... page fucks me up sometimes because I'm not emotionally ready when I see a sad animal. I'm just not, Tim. That's fair. That's fair, but I was like, God, like, there were just so many long stretches of Montreal tr- getting the puck, trying to get into the zone, fail. Ottawa gets the puck, try to get into the zone, fail. It's... That was you, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, ah, I was just... you owe me a beer too, Tim. Oh, did my phone go off? Yeah, I heard it on my end. That wasn't even a text. That was Duolingo. (laughs) Ah, yes! I want a beer. Ah. Oh, that's annoying because I have that set up to go off at like 8 p... at 8.30 Mountain. So it's usually not a problem. Because I do a bit of Japanese every night. Well, Tim, technically it is... Well, it's like 8... 38 if we're going to be honest here mountain time yeah so it was like fuck fuck my my continuing education screws me and it owes me a beer yeah well tim i don't have anything more to talk about if you want to ride off into the sunset for another night sounds good okay although that was a good game Absolutely. Been a good episode, too. We got to pat ourselves on the back for that. Well, let's see. Let's see. Yep. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I loved recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. Because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at ThirdLinePlug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger, and I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to discuss what kind of beer Tim has to buy me now, shoot us an email, ThirdLinePlugSenseCast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so again, we only got two games to talk about for this coming week. We've got the game versus the Boston Bruins tomorrow night. And Friday versus the Colorado Avalanche. These are... Ottawa seems to have a really sparse schedule at the beginning of the year again. Yeah, but I mean, the week after, we've got four games. Oh, jeez. Two of them is against Buffalo, too. Buffalo's good this year. Well, Buffalo's actually doing well this year. Better. Better. But then again, Buffalo... Like, they... They built a team. Yep. They they still needed a goalie for me, but, you know, that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But uh, they're betting on uh, Linus Allmark. Yeah, so, you know. If he's anything like Robin Leonard, he'll probably kill us every time he, we play him. Well, he has no reason to kill us. That's true. Until next There's time, no- guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go sense, guys.
so long, my time here is up. They're going home!